Good morning. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I didn't think I'd get to take the stage once Lanray had the microphone and was singing, so <laughs> praise Jesus that he stopped. <laughs> if you've been with us over the last five Sundays, uh, you'll know that we've been looking uh, at chapter 15 of John uh, in, a, in a series uh, that we've been entitled Abiding. We've looked at Jesus' teaching. We've looked at the vine and the branches. We've looked at pruning and faithfulness. And today is the second last message in that series. And I'd like to invite two of my friends to come up and read the word for us. Um, Isaac and Florence, would you like to come up? It's great to have our young people read the, read the word of God to us. So Isaac, uh, Florence, you're going you're gonna to go first. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one friend, for one's friend. You are my friends and if you do what I command, and you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you. I have called you friends. For everything that I have, I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, whatever you ask in the name of the fa- the name the father will give you. This is my command: love each other. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Much better than I could have read it. So, for some people, remembering science lessons at school will, be, will just kind of turn you into a cold sweat. My first experience of science lessons was at secondary school. I loved the structured nature of the lessons. The, the plan for the hour in the science lab was just was always very clear. I really like things that are organized and structured. My wife would probably say that's an understatement. 
But in science, more than any other subject, like those wishy-washy subjects like English or music or stuff like that, the teacher would always spell out the learning goals. They'd explain what we were going to learn and what the end goal was. They'd explain how we were going to reach our goal. And they'd explain why we were learning about that particular topic. See, I was really keen on the what, how, and why structure. And our passage today that we're going to be focusing on fits nicely into that basic structure. Isaac read it, the, the first three verses of his section, John 15, 9 to 11. It says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the what can be found in verse nine, the remain in my love. That's, that's what we're trying to do. That's our goal for, for this passage. The how can be found in verse 10. Keep my commands. That's how we're going to try and achieve our goal. And the why is found in verse 11. Your joy may be complete. And this is why we're trying to achieve that goal. So in this passage, Jesus is still teaching his disciples. It's just hours before he died. And from chapter 13 to chapter 17, these are Jesus' words recorded as he spoke to his disciples, to his followers. And they apply to us today as Christians, as his followers In chapter 15, in verses 1 to 8, we look at how Jesus has been teaching about the vine and the branches, and how fruitfulness fruitfulness is as a result of faithfulness. And as we get to verses 9 to 11, there's a slight shift in the words that Jesus uses. There's less metaphor, there's less imagery. It's more direct and it's more literal. And Jesus is reiterating what he has said in the previous eight verses, but it's just in a slightly different way. So let's have a look at those three verses. Have you ever tried to make a comparison of something to something else, and it just hasn't really worked? You see, when we make a comparison, we're using something that is far from perfect, We only have a less than perfect object as our standard. But you see, Jesus uses a perfect example to compare his love to something else. Jesus didn't say, uh, my love is like uh, the, the way a mother loves a baby. Jesus didn't say, my love is like the love of a husband for his wife. Neither of these are perfect examples of love. They're good examples, and on occasion, they might be really good examples. They might be great examples, but it's not a perfect example because a mother can get frustrated with her baby, maybe exasperated. A husband and wife may argue about things going on in their lives, but perfect love can be found between God and Jesus. So at the start of verse nine, Jesus makes this perfect comparison, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
What a sentence that is. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't it amazing? We, it's almost worth just stopping there for today and just saying, wow, those 11 words, they have an awful lot of weight that we could learn an awful lot from. See, God the creator of the entire universe loves his son. And that love has no beginning and it has no end. It's close and it's personal. It's without measure and it's unchanging. Charles Spurgeon said, Beloved, you do not, dare not, could not doubt the love of the Father to his Son. It's one of those unquestionable truths about which you never dreamed of holding an argument. Our Lord would have us place his love to us in the same category with the Father's love to himself. We are to be as confident of the one as the other. You see, Jesus loves us in exactly the same way as the Father loves Jesus. Or if we put it another way, Jesus' love for us has no beginning and has no end. It's close and it's personal. It's without measure and it's unchanging. And this is so fundamental to our Christianity. And it's important that we grasp it and it's important that we accept it each and every one of us as a Christian, that we accept it for ourselves. Because in worldly terms, we don't deserve this love. It just, it, it, it's unfathomable. We can't get our head around it. The world will tell you that you're not worthy. The world will tell you that this love is too good to be true. But remember that God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. And we are subjects of that love. That love is lavished upon us and we can't do anything more or less to earn it. And as you're here today, Jesus loves you the same way that he loves the Father, that the Father loves Jesus. Whatever state your life is in, however you've messed up in the last year, however you've messed up in the last week, however you messed up this morning, you are fully reconciled to Jesus. We're adopted into God's family. And and our sin isn't a barrier for Jesus to love us because he still accepts us. And so in verse nine, we're told to remain in that love. We're not told to obtain his love. We're not told to build on his love. His love isn't something we can decide to enter. We're in his love by default. And so we're told to remain in it. And that's the what of these three verses today. The idea of remaining or abiding has already been introduced to us in chapter 15. In the previous weeks, it's mentioned eight times in the previous eight verses. Almost all of the previous instances say, remain in me. But like I said earlier, in verse nine, Jesus kind of shifts it up a gear. He's like, no, remain in my love but he's emphasizing the same point as in the previous eight verses. So what does it look like practically for us? What does remaining in his love mean to us? It isn't anything complicated, but it does require us 
to be committed, committed to reading God's word, to prayer, to being part of a Christian community. Tom spoke a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was absolutely excellent, verses four to seven of this chapter, and he reminded us that remaining in God, abiding in God, is supposed to be at the heart of everything that we do. When the disciple stays connected to the love of Jesus, the relationship stays strong. And likewise for us, we too can have that same strong relationship. I want to look at verse 10, our second point. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So this is the how section. We've already had the what So what we want to do and what our goal is today is to remain in his love. But the how, this is how we go about doing it. Jesus tells us very clearly, if you keep my commands. And there's something really important to to note at this point. I want to be really clear what Jesus isn't saying. What Jesus isn't saying And what he doesn't mean when he's speaking to his disciples is this. He does not mean that if you keep my commands, I will love you. Jesus isn't saying that because that would make his love conditional. It would mean that it's dependent on what we're doing. Jesus' love is not conditional. Paul writes in Romans 8, 39, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, if we don't keep Jesus' commands, he will still love us. That's a fact. But that doesn't mean we can be or we should be disobedient. We shouldn't just say, do you know what? I know that Jesus loves me, so it doesn't really matter what I do. I don't really care. I'm just gonna keep doing what I have been doing because there's grace People at church keep telling me there's grace so I can do whatever I want and Jesus will forgive me. That's not the point here. What Jesus does mean is that if we keep his commands, we will have a greater experience of his love. See, if we look back to John 14, 15, when he's he's talking to his disciples, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And Jesus goes on to say later in that chapter, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus is connecting true discipleship with obedience to his commands and honoring what is said in God's word. John Calvin said this, all true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. It is as we obey him that we know him. And you might be sitting here thinking, Dave, that's all very well, but nobody is perfect. I can't keep all of Jesus' commands. Jesus knows that we aren't perfect. Jesus knows that we will fail at times. But we are not left on our own to do this. It's It's not like an exam where you go into the room and it's just based all on what you're doing, all on, on your strength. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to teach us 
and remind us of everything that he has said. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When we're struggling, we have the Holy Spirit to remind us of Jesus' words. And in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. But how difficult are both of these to be obedient to? Each week, as you go about your daily lives, do you love God with all your heart? If you look around this room at your neighbours, do you love everybody in here? I'm glad no one's asking me the question because I can't honestly say yes. And that's two of Jesus' commands. There are loads of them. How can I keep them all if I can't even keep two of them? And they're the most important ones. I try, but I fail. But Jesus wants us to try. We're not condemned if we fail. It just makes me realize more and more that we need the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us day by day to obey what Jesus has commanded. Jesus started his ministry with a command. He said, believe and be baptized. And the gospel are full of commands, loads of them. And the only way to know what the commands are of Jesus is to know the Bible, is to read the Bible and understand it. This book here, this book has gold in it. We need to mine it for everything that's inside of it. I couldn't tell you how many words I know of Ed Sheeran songs. My kids just play them on repeat, on and on and on. But I don't know that, I, I, don't, I probably know more Ed Sheeran songs than I do verses in the Bible. Isn't that an appalling thing to say? In front of 300 people. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Maybe I'm on my own. Maybe, maybe nobody else has this, this problem. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to absorb it. We need to learn bits of it. If you aren't in the habit of reading the Bible daily, don't set yourself a target of reading it throughout the year. It's a really good thing to do. But don't start with that. Just pick up the Bible. Pick up... Start reading the book of Mark. Just do it. Something is better than nothing. Get into the habit. You might find it tough. Nobody said it would be easy. But it will be worth it. I could get excited about the Bible all day. Thirdly, let's look at the why. So we've looked at the what, which is to remain in Jesus' love. We look at the how, which is to keep his commands. But why are we doing it? And I'm sure for many other people here, the why is something that's really important to you. The question why is ingrained in us from a really, really early age. 
Daddy, why is there water coming out of the sky? Well, my son, that's because it's raining. Why is it raining? Because uh, the weather's not very nice. Why is the weather not very... Ah! I don't know. I don't know. But why is in us from an early age? We all want to know why. And verse 11 here is very clear. Why are we doing it? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is essential to the Christian life. The word rejoice uh, is a verb which is derived from the experience of joy. And the Bible is clear. God's people, i.e. you and me, are commanded to, be re- to rejoice and be characterised as rejoicing. Philippians is full of commands of joy. And Philippians 4 verse 4, which some of you will know, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Psalms have lots of examples of joy and rejoicing. In fact, joy, or a derivative of it, is mentioned 400 times throughout the Bible. Interestingly, in comparison, happiness is mentioned less than a dozen times because they're very different. The joy of Jesus is not the same as happiness or excitement. The joy of Jesus isn't the pleasure of an easy life, but it's the exhilaration of being right with God and consciously walking in his love and care. And can you see that the whole process is just a cycle? So we remain in Jesus' love and we love him. We keep his commands because we love him and we want to obey him. We love Jesus more because we have the joy of the Lord in us. And so it continues. But there's a danger and we need to be committed to obeying Jesus' commands. Because when a Christian fails to remain in Jesus' love, then they won't experience that fullness of joy that, that Jesus has promised us. Obedience is the basis of our joy and it's born out of love. Don Carson is a Canadian Bible scholar and he says this, no one is more miserable than the Christian who for a time hedges in his obedience. He does not love sin enough to enjoy its pleasures and he does not love Christ enough to relish holiness. He perceives that his rebellion is iniquitous, which means morally wrong, but obedience seems distasteful. He doesn't feel home at home any longer in the world, but the memory of his past associations and the tantalizing lyrics of, the, of his old music prevent him from singing with the saints. He is a man most to be pitied. He's basically saying, if, you don't, if you're not striving to be obedient and you're willingly choosing to sin, then you're gonna be miserable. It's almost like you might, you've got to have both feet in one camp. And obviously, at Citygate Church, we want everybody to be gunning for Jesus. But you're going to be miserable if you're not. You're going to be miserable if you continue being disobedient and sinning. You might as well almost just, like, just move into the other camp. Because you, 
you're not getting the best of both worlds. You're not enjoying the sin, but you're not enjoying being at church. You may have noticed that I have a tattoo on my arm. Um, tattoo that says, choose joy. I didn't get it specifically for today's message, just to be clear. It wasn't like a last minute decision. But it's a reminder that whatever situation I face, I have two choices to make. Whatever gets thrown at me, I can either choose joy or I can just crumple and sin and, and do everything that Jesus isn't commanding me to do. There is always the option to choose joy and to be obedient to what Jesus commands. I'm gonna ask Sean to come back up and lead us in some worship. I wanna ask you a few things here today. The what that we looked at, the remaining in Jesus' love. Maybe you're, a Christ, you're not a Christian here today and you think, I don't know about this Jesus. I don't know about his love. His love is on offer for you today. And we would love to pray for you. We would love to pray for you at the end of this meeting. If that's something that you want to do. Maybe you're a Christian here today and there's stuff you're just struggling with. You're struggling to accept that Jesus loves you. We're told in John 15, 9 that Jesus loves us in the same way as the Father loves Jesus. Again, we wanna pray for people who need that realization. The how, keeping Jesus' commands. Are there certain things in your life that you're struggling with? Maybe there's sin in your life you can't turn your back on. I've got my own challenges. There are my own areas that I need prayer for because I'm not obeying Jesus' commands. I'd love to pray with you. Come down the front at the end or during the worship and pray. And we, why we need to do it is because we, we need our joy to be complete. How is your joy in Christ? Are you struggling to choose joy in all circumstances? Come and speak to someone and pray with them. Jesus loves each and every person here today. We'd be honored to pray with you and to chat with you. Let's remain in his love. Let's keep his commands and let's experience his joy today.